Welcome to the Playing Injured Podcast, where we have conversations to help people turn their adversity into their advantage. Let's do it. Welcome to another episode of Playing Injured. Uh, we have Mark Mitry back on the show. Uh, he was he was on episode 22, I want to say, Scrooge Being Shy. Uh, would love for you guys to go back and listen to it if you haven't. Um, and if you have, listen to it again. But we have Mark Mitry on the show. He is a Forbes uh, featured keynote speaker. Also has a TEDx speech that he did recently. Yeah. Uh, author of Scrooge Being Shy host of the Social Anxiety Society, and he's a social anxiety coach. Welcome on the show, brother. Dude, my man, thank you so much for having me on. Super glad. And yeah, man, last time I came on your show, I got all kinds of feedback from different people. So I'm happy to be here, man. Thank you for having me. You're you're a great host. Man, I appreciate that, man, more than you know. And man, this last year uh, has been crazy for all of us, right? I think all of us has got a moment to kind of sit down and, and, and think about uh, who we want to be, um, where we want to go. And I know for you, you've made a few shifts. Um, you, you've rebranded, you've re- relaunched your Humans 2.0 podcast to the Social Anxiety Society newsletter out. Um, now you're doing some coaching for social anxiety, man. What made you make some of these shifts and, and what else do you have going on? Yeah, man, definitely. So, you know, for me, like, Throughout my entire life, I was always uh, like an entrepreneur. And then in 2016, I became like really obsessed with like self-improvement, self-development, mindset, all this stuff, because I, you know, was in like a really not so great place in my lifetime. Like there was a spot where I was, uh, I was obese, I was depressed, I was suicidal. I always had social anxiety my entire life. I was really just like at my rock bottom. And so for me, I like learned about self-help and self-improvement. I started to read these Mm -hmm. books. In 2017, I started my podcast called Humans 2.0, where it was basically just like all about self-improvement and self-development. And then like kind of like naturally over like the next years with my podcast, I started to shift the focus a little bit more on like, you know, mental health, you know, in terms of like rather then then get like all these random entrepreneurs who can just like speak about mindset like yeah. who are specific people that I can talk to whether they they were like neuroscientists or doctors or like experts in a specific area or like the co-founder of Netflix like all talk about mental health and so that's kind of my direction and then the day that covid shut down everything is also the same day that I launched my book Screw Being Shy I got my um, copy yeah, you got your copy right there. Yeah, and so that that for me was like, what's the one thing that I could write on that could provide like the most value to the world? And I was just like kind of looking around and I was like, wait, no one's really talking about social anxiety or no one's really talking about shyness or maybe they talk about it, but it's like, oh yeah, when I was a kid, I was shy. You know what I mean? And, and there aren't really like legitimate solutions for people 
that can get down to like the root cause and like a step-by-step path for people, young adults or adults who have social anxiety. Um, and so, yeah, man, ever since that, I was just like, you know what, man, like I just got to put all my focus and energy and purpose towards this because I just, I like, don't, I just kind of had this feeling that like, I was just like kind of adding noise um, to like the situation. And I just yeah. like, again, just realized that, you know, a lot of, Oh shit. Uh, sorry about that. My, my phone alarm rang off. I have, I have alarms on my phone that go off every day <laughs> at like two twenty two. I, this one goes up at three thirty three. And it tells me to drink green tea. I need that for my water. I got a gallon of water sitting right here next to me. <laughs> so I need a time. Or two. But I feel you. <laughs> I love that, man. Um, but yeah, man, it was just like, it was just like, I got to do this because no one's talking about this, like in this way. And I've, I literally faced this problem my entire life. And like, I, you know, had to literally figure it out, like in the own depths of my mind. So yeah. no, I love that. I love that, man. Cause you know, I feel like, first of all, you mentioned getting into personal development. I know a lot of people who struggle as kids, they get into personal development. I know for myself, I did um, like, man, how can I become better? How can I just grow as a person? How can I feel more confident in myself? Um, and so uh, I know you, you struggle with that as a kid. So um, I, I'm not going to go, we don't have to go too in depth in your story. Cause I know the first episode we went really yeah. in depth into your story. So kind of want to give people a snapshot of kind of who Mark was as a kid struggling through uh, social anxiety and, and kind of the challenges that you faced and, and why this is kind of your, your purpose now. Yeah. So it's crazy, man. So basically like for me, um, so my parents came to America from Egypt and, um, I was born in the US. And so, you know, for me, like the first part of my life as a kid, I just lived like the, the immigrant uh, like lifestyle. Like my parents were always working. We always like moved around to different apartments, things like that. But honestly, it was pretty good. Like it was a pretty simple childhood. I wasn't socially anxious at that time. I wouldn't even say I was shy. I was definitely maybe a little bit more introverted, but I didn't really have a problem being myself. And for me, it wasn't this time where I ended up moving uh, to a small town in Massachusetts. And uh, this, you know, when I moved to this town, this is basically the first time in my life that I start to experience uh, like discrimination, uh, bullying, different, you know, levels of abuse uh, from like the outside, like my school, my community. And honestly, like it it's so crazy to look back on because it's honestly like ever since that happened in terms of my memory, it's like literally a blur up until like being like 18, 19 and then cl- climbing out of it. And it's just like, what happened was like, I just like all of a sudden just like retreated into my shell and like, I just became super shy and I just like was always that kid who was like sitting by himself, who was like always looking down, who sat in the back of the classroom, who didn't really have any friends, didn't get good grades. Um, and so like literally every single day of my life, I just like showed up to school and I was just like, let me just try to like exist. And like whenever someone someone would try to talk to me, I like in my head, I would try to talk to them, but then like my brain just wouldn't let me talk to people and it would just make me like freak out. And so like that happened to me literally every single day uh, of my life. And it really wasn't until I was like 18 where 
you know, next thing I know, um, I go off to college and I actually realize that I have social anxiety. And so it was sort of a time where like these things started to click and I was like, oh, you know, maybe, you know, that's why like literally every single day in my entire life, whenever I would try to talk to someone, whenever I try to be myself, I just couldn't. And like people would always give me advice like, oh, be yourself, speak louder. It would literally never work. And you know what I mean? And so, and so all of a sudden when I realized like, oh, social anxiety is a real thing. It was a little, like it made sense. It started to click in. But then the other part about that too was like, I started to be like, okay, I have social anxiety. So I need to like challenge this anxiety. Like I need to expose myself to this anxiety. And what happened was I would like try to make friends. I would try to be social and maybe I would do it a little bit. But then I would sort of see the same exact thing happen. My brain would just shut me down, would talk me out of it. And so now I'm like 18 and I'm in a spot where like, I know I have social anxiety for the first time, but I can't get out of it. And so I'm like, oh shit, like I'm stuck like this forever. And so when that happened, um, you know, I just felt hopeless. And and like, that's where I started to like, next thing I knew, I started to use like um, mostly food, but like some alcohol and drugs to like numb away my pain. Next thing I knew, I was like becoming obese. Uh, I like became seriously depressed for the first time in my life. I couldn't go to sleep at night. Next thing I know, my lifelong social anxiety turns into like social isolation. Like I just stopped talking to my family, my friends. It's crazy to think back at now. And then, dude, there was this period where I was like suicidal for like a month. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, that that happened to me in, in 2015. And when that happened, that was really like my sort of rock bottom that kind of like saw me or sort of showed me, enabled me to see that like, yo, if I don't, if I don't change my approach, like I've literally been waking up every single day for the last 10 years and trying to do the same thing, which is like be myself, try to talk to people literally every single time it wouldn't work. My brain would shut me down. Then I started thinking like, huh, maybe I need to approach this in a different way. Cause clearly me getting up every morning and sort of like doing this, it's clearly not working. And like, it was sort of a moment where I was like, oh shit. Like I was never suicidal ever in my life. I was never like, you know, really obese or depressed or anything like that. And so I was like, oh shit. Like if I don't get ahead of this problem, like I'm going to be a statistic. And like all of these dreams that like I had like deep down, like that I would fantasize about as like a kid. I was like, wow, none of those things are going to come true if if I either kill myself or if I just sort of like stay where I am and just can't talk to people. And right. so I, ever since then, it was like sort of like this slow, like day by day step of just like trying to learn, trying to like figure out like, like what the hell happened and then trying to like reverse engineer that and then trying to learn from smarter people. At the beginning, it was just through books. And like, how do I figure out like my brain, my mind, how do I rewire my brain? That was really like, yeah. that's where I became the objective. And I've been on this journey for like the last five, yeah. five, five years, five, six years ever since. Man, that because the advice you that people do tell you is like, hey, just be yourself, um, you know, different things like that. But how can you be yourself if you don't love yourself, if you have low self-esteem, a low self-image? Um, and, and that's why I love the message that you share is because you actually help people grow that self image step by step, whether it's through a food, different things like that. <laughs> right. So yeah, it's, man, it's, Hey, like, you, you know, we get this advice, just be yourself, but I, you know, 
hey, I, I won't most people won't admit it, but hey, we don't I don't truly love who I am, you know. So I'm kind of yeah. I want to put a mask on and, and be somebody who I think I should be instead of actually just growing myself and falling in love with who I am. So with love for you. Dude. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Dude, I love I love that, man. And I think the biggest thing is like if if you think about it, like how does our self-image like really get created? Like if you stop and you think about it, well, you know, like I know if you if you like look at what different um like clinical psychologists say, they basically say that like a baby, a kid, you basically watch your mom, you watch your parents, right? And yeah. so your sense of self-image, it's not really your self-image. You're you're literally pretending to be your parents. And like that yeah. is the that is like the the childhood developmental cycle of like a kid, like a human just doesn't sort of exist and like do whatever they want. They just repeat whatever they see from their parents. Right. Um, and then on top of that, like as you go in school, then your social image gets created off of people in your community. Yeah. And so a lot of the times that happens because of something good that you did. So some sort of validation, right? So, yep. you know, you're, you're just like this person, you're living life, but then all of a sudden you, you go to gym class and then next thing you know, like, you're like, wow, I can really kick this soccer ball hard. Yeah. And then all of a sudden people <laughs> are like, dude, you're so good at that, man. Or like, dude, that was a crazy throw. So then all of a sudden you get known like, huh, I, I can kick, I'm good at this, you know? And then all of a sudden it gets formed. And so a lot of the times, man, it's like, um, like you don't even know who you are because like no. the, the normal human cycle, just normal is you just copy from other people. Right. And yeah. then the thing is that sometimes that's good. Like sometimes you learn things, you're like, huh, that's a good thing. Like I should copy that. Like for me, when I look back, you know, my parents taught me how to be, how to be honest, how to work hard. Like those things are, those things are invaluable to me. And I saw my parents like do that in front of my face. But then there's also this like differentiation, which is like, in order for you to become a, a real person, you need to like create, you need to like do new things that you don't know that aren't approved right. by your parents or, or right. aren't validated by society. And that can be very, very challenging. And then the last thing that I'll say about that too is like, so when you look at like a human's developmental cycle, like throughout their life and throughout like someone's a like uh, average of happiness, what you'll find is that happiness sort of like from ages zero, it like sort of goes up, goes up, goes up. And then when you're like around middle school, when you're in puberty, yeah. it kind, it kind of yeah. goes down a little bit, it goes up. And then once you're like, once you get out of that, then it goes up. And then once you're about like 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, what happens is there's just like a natural dip you down. Wow. Yeah. For like, for the rest of your life. And like, basically what that is, is like, we have all these different neurotransmitters in our brain. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of them like dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin. They all do serotonin. different things. You know, oxytocin, for example, it makes you feel like connected. Like it gives you that feeling of like, like when oh, like a, a great person like gives you a, fro uh, a hug, excuse me. And it's like that warm, fuzzy feeling. That's like oxytocin. Serotonin, it does a few different things. Like it controls your mood and also your digestion and also your sleep. And it yeah. also, serotonin, it's also this um like this kind of a compass almost in our brain that tries to predict where we are in a social hierarchy wow. and so for example like every society has social hierarchies there's people at the top whatever you say rich people politicians people in the government then at the bottom maybe poor people or, or you know slaves or anything like that if, if if there are a lot of people who don't have power any financial ability like that 
So there's literally a part of your brain that's trying to detect that at all times. Mm. And the thing is that it could estimate and it can guess and it can be wrong based on that information. So for example, if you have social anxiety, objectively speaking, you could like be super successful. You could be rich. You could be fine. But then your brain is literally like you're at the bottom. And right. so, and so like there, we have all these different neurotransmitters and what happens is when we're kids, our brain just like naturally just like pumps us with like all of these, a very high level amount of these every single day, every day. And yeah. the reason why it does that is like, that's how we get through our childhood. Like that's how we, we get through like all the stuff we had to go through and then not feel like we're about to die. Um, and, and so a lot of the times what happens is now all these neurotransmitters the normal default level starts to go down. And so that's why you have like this natural dip in general unhappiness. And so I know I said a lot there, but like I say that because a lot of the times people think like, oh, I have anxiety because, you know, um, there's like this thing or I have anxiety because I'm a loser or because, right. you know, my this happened to me. And a lot of times that's definitely true. There's definitely a lot of factors. But a lot of times it's like, what's actually controlling like your moment to moment mood and how you feel and how you think about yourself is actually like all of these neurotransmitters and like this whole psychological structure that your brain and mind and body and your spirit are like constantly happening in a moment to moment basis. And I just think that a lot of us just were not really taught how to manage that. And what happens is when you're not taught how to manage that, when you're not taught how to use your mind, your yeah. mind uses you. 100%. And so the next thing you know, you lose your free will, you lose your freedom, you lose your ability to act the way you want to, to like this like mental neurochemical biochemical algorithm, like what I call it. It's like this AI and yeah. that can work for you. But in, a lot of times it, it works it work against, against you, you at a default level, you know? So it is crazy. Like how these, all these things relate like self-image to our parents, to neurotransmitters, to our mood, to our digestion, to society's hierarchy. It's crazy. It's man. crazy. It's, it's so much. I love this stuff. <laughs> I do too. And so I, I saw a quote um, the other day. Yeah, your mind is a beautiful servant, but a dangerous master, mm. right? Because you can, but mm. when it's when it's good, you 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 can use it versus it being uh, in control of you and who you are. And so a lot of the things that you mentioned, and I, I think it's perfect for the direction that I want to go, is actually, hey, you talk a lot about the brain has two parts. We have our hardware, we have our software, right? Yeah. So the hardware, the actual biochemistry, the, the actual organ, the brain versus our mind is the software, right? And so I want to kind of go in that direction of breaking down yeah. the two. And I want to start off with the hardware, right? And I love the example that you give of thinking about it as an iPhone. Everybody has an iPhone so they can relate to it, yeah. right? Nobody, imagine if the, the iPhone 12 Pro had iOS one on it, right? It's performing on iOS one. Would it? It would be useless, basically, right? So yeah. that's the software. But we really want to focus on the actual hardware of. Hey, if this is an iPhone one, I don't think you'd be able to to perform on iOS thirteen, right? Because it just can't, right? So let's talk a little bit about that. I want to break it down yeah. for for people so they can kind of understand it, right? So our hardware, the actual brain, talk about kind of the difference between yeah. the two and, and the importance of the hardware. And then we'll kind of get to the software and how we can improve that. Yeah, for sure, man. So 
The reason why I think this is so important is because a lot of the times, like when people talk about anxiety, for example, a lot of times everyone just focuses on the mind. And the really interesting part is that anxiety is not in your mind. Anxiety is actually in your body. And that's what a lot yeah. of people don't really understand. And and the way that I would begin to break this down is, is like um, ever since like the laws of physics um, and like Isaac created the laws of physics. And basically what he said is that the universe is entirely made out of matter, atomic particles moving together. And the reason why I mentioned this is because the universe is not 100% made out of matter. It's made out of energy. Matter is a form of energy, but matter is in like material, material reality. That's how all of us in Western countries are programmed to look at the world. So what right. I'm talking about is like we have an importance over material reality. What is that person wearing? Uh, what are they doing? What do they have in their hands? And we don't really understand that our thoughts and our and our emotions and like our our um, our nerves and our neurotransmitters and all these different things, um, that's also energy. Your right. thoughts and your thoughts and emotions they not they may not be matter in terms of like the energy component, but it's all energy and it does matter. And so I say that because a lot of us, when we sort of go throughout our lives, we are actually programmed to like not care about this. Like we're programmed to only care about the outside world because of this entire worldview yeah. of like Newtonian physics, which has been proven to be false. All, all energy in the universe, excuse me, all, you, all the universe is made out of energy. Uh, matter can be a form. And so I say that because a lot of us has, have just been taught to like, oh, your thoughts and emotions don't matter. Your feelings don't matter. And reality is, is that that is literally part of the engine that makes your body, that makes your life. And so what happens is like your software, I describe that as like your mind, um, uh, your thoughts, your emotion, your mindset. Yeah. This also includes like, I think like any podcast or any books that like you're just sort of reading knowledge, things like that, yeah. information. Whereas your hardware, that is what your mind and software lives in, right? So mm -hmm. for example, like an iPhone, our iPhones have like processors. And then within that processor, that's where our software is, is held. Or within our iPhone, we have like RAM, the memory RAM. And yeah. that's where our ability for our phones <laughs> to multitask and to run multiple programs exists. And so what I'm saying is like serotonin, is like a literal neurotransmitter that that's the hardware. And then the software within that is it controls your mood. It controls your digestion. It controls your sleep. And so basically what happens is like our brain through all these thousands of years, it has created the physical infrastructure to help our thoughts, to help our emotions run. And so yeah. for me personally, like why I talk about this and thank you for mentioning this whole knowledge between software and hardware is because I think way too many people are focused on just the software, right? So like people, I'll talk to my clients and they'll say, oh yeah, you know, I, in terms of managing anxiety, you know, I, I read books or I'll listen to podcasts or, you know, I will, yeah, I'll do affirmations or I'll, med I'll do meditation um, or like I'll look in front of myself in the mirror and tell myself I'm confident, all these different things. All these things are fine. But the thing is, is that if you're just working on these things in terms of your mind, you're not going to get long-term results. And that's because like your mind 
is programmed to just automatically default back to just like automatically default, like anxiety and really like our mind and our brain. It is this algorithm, this like survival algorithm that literally tries to repeat what happened yesterday. Even if what happened yesterday didn't make us happy, didn't bring us closer to our results, but it helped us survive. And so what happens is like, I mean, people all the time, like they're in their self-development journey, they're doing whatever, and they're just focused on the mind and they're not really getting long-term results. And so for me, like one of the biggest things that I learned and like, I kind of look at this as like a gift, you know, from God kind of looking back in reverse is like, for me, when I started on my own self-development journey, I had no idea what mental health was. I had no idea like what any of these things were, but for me, like I weighed over, Um, you know, like I said, I was obese. And so for me, I learned about nutrition first. And basically like what I learned was that I was, I was always taught like, Oh, food, it's all about, you know, like your macros, your protein, your fat, your carbohydrates. And it doesn't really matter what you eat as long as like you eat whenever you're hungry. And then if you eat too much food, then you'll gain weight and then you'll be fat and then nobody will like you. And so, so that for me was like my understanding of food. But once I started to look into the science and I was like, oh no, like actually your brain is physically like a small part of your body, but actually like most of the food and the nutrients that we put in our mouths every day, a lot of it goes to our brain to regenerate. And then you look at it and it's like, oh, you know, 60% of our brain is made out of omega-3 fatty acids. And Mm -hmm. like they've done studies and they've shown like, oh, if you don't eat enough omega-3 fatty acids, then you're exponentially more likely to gain brain and mental health issues, whether that's like dementia or whether that's like being suicidal and being depressed. Uh, And so all of a sudden I started to understand like, oh, food isn't just about you being fat or being skinny. This food is literally repurposed by your brain for your brain to rebuild itself and all of its neurotransmitters. And like, it's, it's interesting because going back to those neurotransmitters that I mentioned, serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin. So if you literally look at that at like their molecular profile, so if you Google this right now and you, and you look at their molecular profile, what you're going to notice is that like all the cells, they're all made out of the same type of cells. They're all made yeah. out of amino acids. And like the thing is, is that most of these amino acids your brain does not know how to produce automatically. So for example, like if we lack a certain nutrient or a certain thing, our brain and our body, like when we eat a food, some of those things, it can like repurpose them and then transform them into things that our body can use. But when it comes to our brain, it doesn't know how to do that. And so for example, like omega-3 essential fatty acids, these are, these are mostly found in, um, it's very complex. There's different types, but for simplicity's sake, it's mostly found in seafood for the most yeah. part, at least the most bioavailable, some kinds of like, um, salmon, right? Yeah. Yeah. Some, some like grass fed steak, some yeah. nuts and seeds. Uh, I know for vegans like algae uh, and like kelp, um, but, but not really as much as like salmon and fish. And so like, for example, like that's one of them where it's like, dude, it doesn't matter. Like, how much training you've put in like at the gym. It doesn't matter like how nice you are of a person. If there is like a fundamental issue with your neurotransmitters, you will simply not be able to execute on that function. So for example, like in my, in my course, in my program, um, 
I break this down, and one of the neurotransmitters I talk about is is GABA, G A B A. And like, this is a neurotransmitter that calms your nervous system. It calms down your body. Mm. And so what I say is like, if you have any sort of dysfunction due to GABA, could be a wide variety of things. It could be you're not eating the right foods. It could be you're super stressed out. It could be, um, you know, wide variety of issues. Then like, it doesn't matter about like your personal character. You will have issues with being calm regardless of like your level of discipline or whatever it is. And so that's like one of the things that I think is super important that I've learned that has helped me reset my hardware. Because a lot of the times, like a lot of us are sort of just like operating. A lot of us are like, oh yeah, I eat healthy. Right. And then, so, so for example, like you look at that person's diet and again, like everyone's in a different spot in their journey. I'm not trying to like nitpick, but like, for example, like the average American they're like, I'm trying to eat healthy, right? So in the yeah. morning for breakfast, they're marketed like to eat some granola bar yeah. by like some company that like, maybe it says like, oh, 15 grams of protein or maybe like the marketing looks sexy, maybe it looks sleek, but then you look at the sugar back free. of it. Yeah, 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 and then you look at the back of it and then it just has like chemical forms of sugar. It has like, um, uh, one of the big ones is like, uh, like I said, omega-3s. There's yeah. also this thing called omega-6s. And, yeah. and like, there's a natural, like the foods that have omega threes, they also have a natural balance of omega sixes, but in terms of like your diet, anything that has vegetable oil. So these yeah. are like what most people use, canola oil, corn oil, um, fried foods. Um, when you buy like candy and like, you look at the back of the box and in the ingredients, it says like red six, blue 40, yellow five. All of these things are all synthetic that can cause different issues for different people. But like, that's literally like what destroys your brain. So like what happens is like everybody, like people are trying to wake up everyone, you know, I think everyone's trying their best. Some people are aware of health. Some people aren't. Uh, But then even the people who are aware of healthy, they're spending like all their money on like all the stuff that's expensive that they think is healthy, but it's not really healthy, you know? And so like, I think a lot of the times, like, if you can focus on nutrition, like that will give your brain the basic building blocks for your hardware. Okay. Um, and so like, for example, um, like a good in between of this, a good mix between the hardware and the software is meditation. And the reason why I say that is because, um, so for meditation, you know, that involves your thoughts that involves your emotions, you sit down, but then also what it involves is it involves you sitting down and not moving your physical body. And, and oftentimes what you'll notice is that like the way that our brain works is like, we'll have a thought, we'll have an emotion and then that triggers action, right? Mm-hmm. So like we have a thought, we have an emotion um, and then that triggers action, right? You're going down the street or like you're driving and then on the highway and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh, I didn't text this person or like, oh, I forgot to do this. Oh, let me, you know, grab my phone and, and do X, Y, and Z. And what happens is like we form these emotional connections between our thoughts and between reality. That's why it's so hard to break out of habits because like within those, there's all different sorts of connections. And so like what happens is when you meditate and you sit down and then you get a thought that's like, hey, bro, stop meditating, you know, get up, you have things to do, go look at your to-do list, go, go do whatever. But then you don't move you are retraining your nervous system. You're literally retraining your body 
you're retraining your hardware. And then also your mind is also being retrained as well over time. But like one of the things that one of my favorite doctors and, and neuroscientists says, Dr. Daniel Amen, is if you fix your brain, then your mind will follow. Yeah. Trying to fix your mind first without your brain, dude, you're not going to get any long-term results. It's going to be exhausting. You're probably going to burn out. You're going to get overwhelmed, right? And like, I, I see all people all the time who tell me like, hey, Mark, you know, I have social anxiety, but, you know, I'm like trying to make friends. I'm trying to talk to people. I'm trying to be more confident. I'm trying to do all these different things. And then they tell me like, oh, but the same thing has just happened. And I tell them yeah. like, you have to look inside out. Like you have to be able to address this from all layers, from like the physical, the hardware, and then also the software as well. And if anything, in most times, like our world teaches us to focus on the software, the software, the software, or it tells us to focus on the hardware in some sort of like a superficial way that doesn't really make sense of like, oh, you know, just don't be fat, you know? Yeah. Um, but not really like, hey, your brain is really where it's going to count. Like, you know what I mean? Like your brain is probably the most important muscle, right? Like it's more important than your biceps, your, your anything, you know? And, and yet Everything. we can't see it. We literally cannot see it, you know? And so it, it becomes challenging for sure. Without a doubt. And so I, so with that being said, kind of the knowledge behind right. that, what can people kind of practically do to reset their heart? Like, like what are yeah. some of the fundamental things people can be like, okay, this is what I need to start to be aware of and focus on. Um, I know we mentioned food, right? Yes. Um, what kind of foods, sleep, yeah. um, hydration, different things like that. Talk about that. Yeah. That's yeah, for sure. I mean, hydration, I think it's important. Um, I don't really have anything to say in hydration other than that if your brain detects that there's a 2% decrease in dehydration, the first thing that your brain lets go of is, is critical and clear thinking. So yeah. that's one thing I always do of like, I always obviously drink water. I always drink spring water too. I don't, I don't drink, um, like purified water or distilled water or any of that stuff. There's been different studies that show your, your body doesn't know how to process that fully. And your body needs spring water from like the natural springs because there's nutrients and minerals and trace minerals that your body receives in there. Um, so that's it in terms of food. Um, so unique. You know, I, yeah, in terms of food, you know, I, honestly, like it's, it's pretty complicated, but what I would say is like, look at like Google foods with amino acids. Obviously every single food in the world is made of amino acids. Um, yeah. but there are foods that like have higher, um, amino acid profiles. This is mostly, um, all found in protein and fat. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously I think it's important to eat like vegetables and fruits and things like that. But like in terms of amino acids, a lot of the times your body synthesizes those from protein and, and, and fats. And so that's huge. Um, and I also like have written articles about this too. So if someone Googles like Mark Metry nutrition or food, they'll see resources. They'll see it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so honestly, what I would say is like, like if I can give you a list of quick things that I would do to like reset your brain. So the journal of neuroscientists basically found that um, like, at least for serotonin, there's basically four main ways to do it. Number one, your diet. That's huge. Uh, number two is exercise. Like every time that you exercise, um, and I don't just mean like going to the gym, like in the morning, because a lot of the times too, what will happen is like, you'll go to the gym in the morning, like you'll work out for like 45 minutes an hour. That's awesome. Obviously that's amazing. 
But then what happens is like you go inside and then you just sit down and you're just like yeah. hunched over for all day. And like they've shown that like your body can trigger the most amount of brain growth hormones and, and neurotransmitters when you're just regularly moving throughout the day. Mm. Um, you know, and, and so obviously there's like, there's positive impacts for exercise and running and all these high intensity things, but also just like literally moving throughout the day. That's huge. Um, another thing too is, um, and this, this, a lot of people overlook this one because it seems so simple. It's the sunlight. And so obviously I'm not saying like, you know, if you live in, if you live in like Africa or somewhere, like don't be outside every single day, like for every single second, but like, it's very, very important to be outside, especially if you have, um, you know, in, like ancestral roots uh, of a warm location. So, for example, yeah. like I'm, I'm from Egypt. That should have so, got the sun all day, you know, yeah. my but then I live from Africa. Yeah, exactly. But then but then, for example, I live in Boston, Massachusetts. And so, like, yeah. the sun isn't even out today. It's like mostly cloudy. <laughs> and so and so, like, that's something that you have to be aware of, of like getting sunlight, um, especially like first thing in the morning, um, is huge. And then also some people may need to supplement vitamin D because that's where a lot of like, that's a, that's basically a hormone for your body that it needs to create neurotransmitters. Your body needs vitamin D, which you primarily get from the sun or by also eating a lot of foods that also have omega threes like salmon. Yeah. Like that, that's basically, yeah. it. so it's kind of like a two in one, um, sleep, sleep is very important. You know, a lot of the times, like if someone says they have anxiety, usually almost always there's a sleeping issue involved. Um, and then usually that person is on some sort of like a prescription sleep aid, which again, may be okay every once in a while or short-term use, but a lot of times that can cause long-term problems. Like I know for me, I always had issues with sleep always throughout my entire life. And I would, I would, I wouldn't get prescribed anything, but I would supplement, um, melatonin. Mm. Um, and I don't know if you do that or if you've heard of that, but then I actually found that that's actually not good for you to supplement long-term, uh, because it can like interfere with your body's natural, uh, melatonin production. Um, and yeah, and then I literally have like an entire article that people can look up about like how to get deep sleep. If people are interested in that, just Google it. Um, and then, yeah, that's basically it, man. And then the, uh, the only other thing aside from that is I would say like some sort of um, like meditation or or exposure therapy. Yeah. Um, I want to, we're going to mention uh, exposure therapy in a little bit because it kind of brings brings it all together. Um, talk about that. Yeah. Talk yeah. about that. Go ahead and talk about that. Four kind of, it has like four parts to it uh, yeah. for them to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So when I, so when I first discovered I had social anxiety, this is actually the first thing I tried to do because all the articles I was Google online, they're like, you got to expose yourself. You got to do it. But then what happened was I literally failed and I got more depressed. And so I say this because a lot of the times, like if you're just starting off on your social anxiety journey and you've, you, you like haven't talked to people in 10 years or like expose yourself in 10 years. And then all of a sudden, you start doing exposure therapy without doing any of this other stuff that we mentioned of like making sure your nutrition is right. All yeah. these things, at least, at least getting the ball rolling on those. Cause that's going to help like stabilize your brain. Um, then you can do uh, exposure therapy. And basically like what it is, is that there are four layers of social anxiety, like you said, yeah. and, and like basically these, these layers of that, uh, you know, people will be socially anxious 
about one or usually more of the four layers. Number one, it's like yeah. your physical appearance. Yeah. Uh, that could be anything from your weight to your clothes, to your skin color. Number two, there is your social skills. And so you'll get socially anxious and you'll feel like, oh, I don't know how to talk to people or like, I don't know how to introduce myself or I don't know what to say next in a conversation. Number three, people will get socially anxious about the signs of anxiety itself. This is a big one. So for example, and this literally happens like every day of my life where like, and you don't realize it, where like you'll you'll be like standing there in the middle of a conversation. And the next thing you know, like the anxiety will start internally in your head. And then all of a sudden you'll realize like, oh, you're blushing or like, oh, you're sweating. sweating. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden your brain's like, oh shit, like people can see that. So then so then like a, another layer of anxiety gets built on top of the other layer of anxiety. And so it's sort of like this hell, it's like this feedback yeah. from hell. That's the way I call it. Um, and the fourth one is you'll get socially anxious about your character or your personality, or you just feel like, you just like don't you just like don't have any hobbies or you don't know how to describe yourself or you don't yeah. or you feel like there's something wrong with you. I know for me, I had all of these, <laughs> you know, for <laughs> sure. Um, all these, some of them more than others, you know, like for example, like my physical appearance, like I I, I was always kind of like, you know, a little overweight. I was never really athletic. Um, yeah. I always had issues with my skin color because I grew up in an area where nobody there was no racial diversity so i was like the only person who physically looked different than everybody else um i had it with social skills i don't i didn't know how to introduce myself i didn't know how to talk to people yeah. i didn't know how to respond to people like i don't know how to do any of these things um and then and then i would just like feel like i i had all these deep seated beliefs about myself that i was like a terrible person and i was stupid and and like I was a burden and I was something, I was like a sort of a, a force of bad for the world. And so yeah. all these different things, you know, and, and like, I can give you an example. And so basically what you do is like, you take apart each one of these layers, you sort of create your own version. Like you have to get specific on like, what exactly are you anxious about within those layers? And then what you do is like, you incrementally expose yourself. And so, you know, for me, like in terms of my social skills, one of the things that I did was like, I literally spent like weekends on weekends, like not playing video games, not going out with my friends, but like literally just trying to study social skills. And like, I learned all this stuff about body language. How do I introduce myself? All these different things. And I literally study it. And like, it's funny because like, I still have the notepad, like on my iPad from like 2015, yeah. 16 and like, okay, step one, smile, step two. And it, it looks so funny. It looks so funny <laughs> to look back. It looks kind of stupid and silly to be honest with you, but it's like, I had to learn that stuff. And then what I would yeah. do was I would sort of pull out my journal and I would write, you know, Hey Mark, like today, try to go outside and try to ask like five random strangers you want to cross in the street like what time, like just what time is it? That's it. Don't ask them, like, don't compliment, don't do it. Just literally what time is it? That's it. And a lot of the times, like when you have social anxiety and you talk to anybody, there's a part of your brain that's like, oh my God, is this person judging me? Is this person yeah. think I'm stupid? Is this... But then if you just like sort of make it logical and you're like, hey, hey bro, what's the time? You know what I mean? It's not about you. That can help sort of get the first step rolling. So then I would do that. And that taught me a little bit of my social skills. Um, another thing for me was in terms of like my physical, um, appearance, you know, I, um, 
I, you know, the first part of my life, like as an immigrant, I was pretty poor. And so I remember like wearing the same clothes to school every day. And I, and I lived in an area that was pretty affluent. And so I would literally like wear the same clothes to school every day. And then I'd be on the bus and then like the bus would drop off like these kids who were wearing like designer clothes, like in their mansions. And they would like, their dad would have like some sports car or something like that. Um, And so basically one of the things that I started to do was I started to actually either wear the same clothes again and again on purpose to the same people to condition my brain to be like, oh, I actually don't care if they know that I that I know that I wore the same clothes right. daily. Then I'd do other things like I would um I would actually wear the craziest clothes. Like I would um I like there was like you know where I was exposing myself where I would I would wear I get I have like this like pink neon cowboy hat. Uh, I I would get like this like pink tight shirt, these like this, these pink tight shorts. And I would literally go to the most crowded area. I could find like my mall and I would literally just walk around and like literally the entire time people were like, the people were like literally staring at you. And like, what you're doing is like, you're literally conditioning your brain to like, I literally don't care if people are looking at me, people think I'm different. People think that, cause like, that's literally what social anxiety will tell you every day just by doing normal things. Yeah. And so when you put yourself in that sort of a drastic scenario, but then you're also working on like your hardware, you're working on your nutrition, you're making sure your neurotransmitters, your extras, all these things. Next thing you know, like all of a sudden, the first time, the second time, like it's going to be painful. It's going to be terrifying. Like I know for me, when I first tried to do this, like I would literally feel like it's literally as if like someone like had me on a leash and like <laughs> literally pulling me back. And like, it's like the weirdest feeling. But once you can do that, and there's different tactics that I can give. So for example, like what I recommend doing is like go for a run. If you go for a run beforehand, that triggers both your endorphin and your endocannabinoid system. Your endorphin system is what triggers when you take heroin or morphine at a hospital as a painkiller, which lowers yep. your perception of pain. And then your endocannabinoid system, which gets you high when you, when you smoke weed, both of those fire when you run. So that will like literally lower your perception of pain. And then if you take this supplement, that's totally natural. Remember I said GABA? GABA this is literally yeah. this is literally like a supplement that's like found from some flower that also has this amino acid that will help calm you down. And again, you should look this up. I'm not a doctor, you know, check in with your doctor before you take anything, you know, disclaimer. Um, but But like those are two things that you can do to like, help you sort of take that first step. And then what happens, Josh, is like you take that first step and you start doing these things. And then all of a sudden what begins to happen is now your mind is telling you things that that it's never told you before. So now all of a sudden, like you, you talk to a stranger for the first time and they didn't reject you. So now your brain is like, Oh shit. Like we can talk to people. And so like all of a sudden, like your brain starts to make these new connections, starts to make these new brain cells. And if you can do and get ingrained in that process, like intense for like a month, two months, three months, and then if you can be consistent with that action for like six months to a year, that's literally how you change literally the rest of your life. 100%. 100%. <laughs> I'm out in public and I do so many different things for me. It's like... uh uh, being in a dark restaurant and taking a picture of my plate with the flash on for everybody. Oh yeah. Like, so something like that, or just taking pictures of some minister, just doing things that you know 
are uh, are weird, but you mm, want I to love do. that. You know, things that, that are weird, but you want to do, right? Like, I really want to do this. So let me just do it and kind of bite the bullet. And over time, you just realize, oh, that wasn't so bad. Like, um, somebody told, you know, I heard this, listen to a podcast, um, but it's like, hey, you, you, you run through the wall of fear and you just realize that it was just construction paper the whole time, <laughs> right? So running through the wall of fear and realizing that it's construction paper, but you have to just go through that wall to see that it's not that bad. And all these social norms that you realize is that, hey, everybody is different and you kind of free yourself. You unlock yourself from yourself. <laughs> and uh, Literally. it's crazy. So I love that. I, I don't know if I would go. I, I never wore the, the pink hat with the with the, <laughs> with the <Next> shorts. Up. <laughs> but that's it's, crazy. That's crazy. Dude, it, it's crazy, man. And and like I totally agree with you. But I think the issue with that is like your nervous system perceives that wallpaper to be a literal wall. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's like it's like, it's like a map, you know what I mean? And, and it's like, the, I remember they did this study with two mice and like what they found was that um, like if, uh, if like one mouse looked at its friend and its mouse was trying to go through this maze, but what happened is like the mouse would like get to an arbitrary spot in the maze and yeah. they would give it like an electric shock. Yeah. And then what would happen is the mouse who wasn't even in the maze, it would see its friend and then all of a sudden, when it would get to that same spot, it would just turn around and go. So it's like we have all these things from these societal norms. And then our nervous system like internally maps that. And we're just like, oh, we're not going to do that. Or like, oh, we're going to do that. And so it's challenging. But it's like I think a lot of times like if you can give someone like that, that boost, especially like from that nervous system perspective of like, trying to teach their nervous system like hey like hey buddy this is like you're gonna go through like all these electromagnetical impulses but like here's one two three things that you can do that are healthy to make it a little bit easier for you right like i know i know like um when it comes to social anxiety one of the biggest issues is with alcohol so a lot yeah. of the people <laughs> a lot of times like you know social anxiety it has some of the highest rates of substance abuse especially with alcohol because alcohol sort of does this for you automatically. It automatically yeah. switches your biochemistry and it makes it so you like you're, you're you know you're less sort of socially aware of everything and your brain's trying to calculate it. However, that's very dangerous, right? Because you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with like drinking alcohol to celebrate something every once in a while. But like if you're relying on alcohol to give you like this biochemical release yeah. to be yourself dude, that's, that's like very, very dangerous. And like, what I found is that like, if you can work through this stuff, then what begins to happen and you begin to like get your neurotransmitters operating at like a regular level, what begins to happen is like, you literally feel like you're drunk in a healthy, good way without even drinking any alcohol. Maybe not right. every single time, of course, like we all have ups and downs, but like, yeah. that's what I've realized. And, and like, what I've realized is that like, if you can sort of get your brain right, then your brain can like literally create the biochemistry that it needs for you to feel whatever you want, regardless of, you know, putting alcohol down your system, you know? And so like, that's what I've realized. And like, I remember there was this time, like when I was uh, like leaving college and like, I had all my friends who were like, um, you know, and this is the time where I was like working a lot on myself. 
I had different friends of mine, you know, we'd be like at a party or something and they'd be drinking and like, they'd be having fun, but then they would see me. And then I would also like be having fun. And if anything, I would be more excited than them. And they'd be like, yo, Mark, you want another drink? And I'm like, no, bro, I don't like, I'm not really, I'm not drinking today. And they'd be like, oh shit, how are you doing that? And it's like, dude, I literally used to be like so repressed and like in my shell, but then I taught how to reverse engineer that and teach my brain how to do that at a hardware software level to now where again, I still have problems. You know, I, I still sometimes get low. Sometimes I still get shy, whatever, but you know what I mean? But then eventually like your brain's like operating at like a new default level. And and I think that can be very, very, very powerful for, for people. Um, Especially again, like if you've never, if you've never done it, right. Like, and I know for me, like in the past, like a lot of the times what'll happen is like, you'll be a teenager, you'll be a kid, And like, you'll have this social anxiety, but then all of a sudden you drink alcohol and then all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, like it goes away, you know? And then, and then what happens is it creates this very unhealthy relationship that can be quite mentally unhealthy, which takes you down more, you know? And so for me, it's like, um, like in my book, like there, I had an entire chapter that's on like drugs and alcohol, uh, because I just think it's very, very important. And again, it's like, according to statistics, people with social anxiety, they have some of the highest rates of substance abuse. And it's for this reason, they are consuming something to make them feel like themselves. But I wish like I could send the message out there of like, Hey, it may not be as easy as like drinking this thing once it may require you to sort of prepare in your life. But like, Hey, if you can do one, two, three, and you can sort of get these things going on a regular basis then like your brain is not going to be suffering so that it needs that biochemical fix from like that liquid of alcohol that you just drank or from that sugar or from that, those drugs, you know what I mean? And so everyone's got a different drug vice, but like, I think that's also a very, very important note to keep in mind because I almost fell down that rabbit hole. And, and like, that's one of the things where like, if you do that for 10 years, like that can chemically like mess up your hardware, you know, and, and it can be dangerous mentally and physically. That's, that's man. That's so key. That's so key. Cause we, it is definitely people like, Oh man, I can't wait. Cause it's, it it makes you more courageous and different things like that. But being able to naturally do it on your own and feel that way every day, except and, and not just the weekends and not just on a Saturday night, Friday night, you can feel like that every day. Um, Man, you just realize, you you know, you don't necessarily have to go out um, every weekend and feel free. Right. Because I think that's really what it is to feel free and to kind of let go of everything. um, But to work on on your own and feel like that every day. What, you know, it feels like it's endless possibilities of of what life can be, man. So with all this said, all this and (laughs) we put this and then we put in this episode. Right. You show people how to do this. I know you have a program. Yeah. Talk about uh, your program, what's all entailed in it, and, and uh, man, how people can really put this stuff to use. Yeah, man. So, dude, I am literally on a mission to help 1 million people who are very shy, who are socially anxious, who are anxious, to help them be themselves with confidence and, and true confidence. So, like, it's very easy to fake confidence, to just talk about yeah something that you're the best at or drink alcohol or like try to fake it, you know, and all these different things. And so for me, like I, I work one-on-one with um, different clients of mine that are mostly 
CEOs, executives, uh, people who are already pretty successful, but also experience social anxiety. And for me, like um, ever since, ever since like really last year, I've basically been trying to put together this program where I can just like give it to someone that can either do it on their phone or on their computer. They don't have to talk to anybody if they feel very socially anxious. And it'll literally tell them like literally every day they wake up, like, here's what you do on day one. Here's what to do on day two. Here's what to do on day three, day four, day five. And it's basically like this um, nine week program. It's 45 days, literally tells you step-by-step week by week. Um, it, It literally costs like a dollar a day costs like $50. So I'm not really doing this to like, you know, get rich or anything like that. I'm just trying to get this out there to as many people who need this and, um, and and that can sort of engage with this program because like I've made throughout my pro throughout my life, I've made like three different courses. And so like, I have understood like a lot of times like people don't have the attention span or they lack the motivation or they start the course, but then they end it. And so for me, this was literally like, what can I create to help someone like literally go through everything that we just said? Like, how can I get someone to understand like what food is, how they can sort of look at it from a realistic perspective in their life from like a cultural or maybe a financial lens to like understanding, like, how do you realistically like meditate? Like, how do you like, again, like, it's like one thing again, to like have the software to like, know, oh, I should be doing this, this and that. But then how do you actually like do it every day? There's like an entire week that's just like literally exposure therapy where literally like it's uh, like they go do it. Then they report back to like the system, the course, and they go back again and do it and they report it back. Um, And then the program gives them feedback. So it's like literally uh, it was was a lot of work to do, man, uh, to try to 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 make this happen. But I'm glad because the feedback that I've gotten from people has, has been awesome and it's like literally just starting. So I'm super excited, man. And then, yeah. And then if people want to check it out, all you have to do is just go to my website, uh, Mark Metry, M-A-R-K-M-E-T-R-Y.com. Uh, there's also like uh, markmetry.com slash program. And basically like you will see all the details there. Um, you know, you'll, you can check it out. If anybody has any questions or anything regarding that, you know, feel free to, to ask me to let me know. And yeah, man, that's it. That's it, man. That's I just perfect. A program that I created to like help someone try to do these things for like a little over a dollar a day. Perfect, man. I, I love, I, I definitely love programs because the, you know, the, the plan is already built for you. You just have to work the plan. So <laughs> the plan is, a, the work is already planned for you. Just work the plan. And 45 days later, you can be a, a totally different person. Um, and so yeah, I, think I mean, it may take a little bit more than 45 days, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, like 40, 45 <laughs> days, they'll give you the foundation. They'll give you the foundation. Once you the foundation. You and once you hat. do that, then after like three, six, nine, 12 months, then you'll actually change your life, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Not, no quick fixes. But definitely, Mark, I, I, I definitely put this in the footnotes, but I think I should, you know, I can definitely share this out to people. Because uh, uh, like I said, man, I've already shared your book to, to multiple people. Um you know, who've listened to the podcast and different things like that. Cause it's yeah, I've gotten all, messages. Yeah, man. It's, it's so many people out there that are shy um, or they may not even be shy. They just don't feel like they're operating at the level that they want to operate at uh, mentally. Um, it's always another level that I think we can get to. I think that's why I really love the work that you do. Cause I'm always working on, okay, how can I get better? Yeah. 
you know, I, I found a way to be able to be good at talking to people, but it's still sometimes where I am, I do get shy. And I think we all have those moments, but how can we continue to operate on a great level and be more aware about what we're doing and what we're putting in our body? So I love the work you're doing, Mark, and I appreciate you coming on and uh, man, check that program out guys. Cause 50 bucks is definitely worth what he just mentioned. Cause you added a lot of value here. So man, Mark, I appreciate you. Dude, I appreciate you, man. You're, you're a great host. Um, I appreciate you for having me back on the podcast. And, uh, and yeah, the last thing that I would say is that if anybody's still listening to this podcast, make sure you go to Josh's show and leave him a review. This guy works very hard. And if you leave a review specifically on Apple iTunes, it helps the show rank higher, which helps more people discover it. So if you want to do something to help me help out Josh, leave a review and I appreciate you. And Josh, you're awesome, man. This was dope. Man, I appreciate you, man. Hey, come back anytime whenever you have something new, man. Next year. Man, <laughs> hit me up next year. Next year, hit me up. And uh, man, hopefully I'm in a studio or something or it's on, I'm on a bigger scale. Get this more, more you know, add yeah. more value to more people, man. So I appreciate you, man. Woo, dude, you're the best, man. You're a beast. Let's do it. Our brand design and strategies by Tessa at fivefootstudios.com. You can also follow her on Instagram at fivefootstudios. Our music is by Lakey Inspired. Go ahead and subscribe so that you never miss an episode and click the five stars to give us a rating. And most importantly, keep playing injured.